Good evening, and welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. Filling in for Evan Goldstein, I am your host, Chris Randazzo. Filling in for Chris Randazzo tonight is the masterful Karen Randazzo. Hello. And filling in for Karen Randazzo tonight is the imbibing scribe himself, Mr. Hunter Wilde. Hello. Yes, our usual commander-in-chief is out traipsing about the country, but thankfully Hunter is here to keep our cast feeling full. Now, since Hunter is our guest, we presented him with the opportunity to choose our feature topic for the week, and he picked a show that genuinely surprised both Karen and myself. This week's episode is Everybody Loves Raymond, Season 6, Episode 7, Jealous Robert. So before we get into recapping the show, Hunter, tell us why you chose this episode. Okay, um... I have frequently caught flack from my more hip friends about my love for Everybody Loves Raymond. (laughs) But I love this show. Uh, Many episodes of this show are among my favorite TV episodes of all time. And I would actually put it, in terms of writing, personally, I would put it up there with the real legendary sitcoms of the past. The All in the Family uh, the first Bob Newhart show, um, other shows of that caliber. I think it. I think it rises to that occasion. Uh, my wife and I watch this show all the time, and this episode is one of our favorite and most frequently quoted episodes in our house. Hmm. Lines from it have become part of our lexicon, <laughs> um, and so I thought it would be good to talk about because I feel like, for reasons that escape me. Everybody Loves Raymond doesn't get the love that I think it so richly deserves. Hmm. Well, I got to say that, I mean, I I, I was surprised. Um, I was surprised and not surprised in this show. I've seen a couple episodes of the show before, and I've I have, I've never really cared for it. I, I in fact, do not love Raymond. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of dig Ray Romano, though, because, um, like, I, I didn't really like this show at all when it was happening. Um, and it's, I mean, I really, I didn't see much when it was airing regularly. I saw it from time to time in, um, in syndication. And I was just like, yeah, this, this is not really scratching the itch. But he was fantastic in Parenthood, which I really loved that show. And I really liked him in it. So my, I guess my distaste for, for Ray Romano really just comes from my distaste of his character in Everybody Loves Raymond. And even then... Really, um, it wasn't like a Seinfeld situation where Jerry's kind of like the least interesting character. I actually, I, it was some of the tertiary characters that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. In fact, I, I believe Karen uh, agrees with me on this point that the relationship between Raymond and his wife was really uh, probably the, the the best piece of the episode. Like those two really play well off of one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I really, you know, that was that was the first. I'm also not. <clears throat> that hot on this show, but the the first thing that I saw that made me like sit up and go, okay, all right, I I haven't really watched any of this show before, and, and maybe I was wrong. Maybe I should give it a little bit more attention. Was a scene between Ray and his wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, like at the very very beginning of the episode, uh, like as soon as the episode started, it hit it just smacked me over the head with. Uh, like kind of just a uh, gross because there was these three characters on a couch and the one guy said is there nudity and i was like uh if there's nudity i'll go <sighs> come on right, really? but isn't he supposed to be the dick come on really <laughs> and you know then then he's you know. supposed to be gross he is gross he's the gross friend everybody's got a gross friend <laughs> 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 that's always been my take on it if you don't know who the gross friend is, it's probably you. Uh, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, of course. Do you know uh, who our gross friend is, Hunter? Is it me? Yes. Is it me? No. <laughs> Not even close. Who is our gross friend? I don't know. We'll have to figure out that out. If you're no, our we'll, gross friend, please send your information to mail at geekade.com because we will we'll like address to that off air. <laughs> All right, anyway. so um, let, let's let's do a, a bit of a recap of this episode. Um, what, what? I mean, sh- I'm the most familiar with the show. Would you like me to to j- jump in? Yeah, you know what you you if walk you're volunteering, walk us through this episode. Okay. the the backstory. The only backstory you need to know is that Robert Everybody loves had been Raymond. dating. <laughs> yes, but Robert had been dating this girl Amy for a while, and then they broke up uh, for various reasons. Um, and that's pretty much all you need to know. And then 
uh, Deborah enters, and the the scene that skeeved out Chris and makes me chuckle mildly, mildly, is uh, Deborah coming in and asking one of Raymond's friends to come to a play with her and Amy and Ray. Um, when neither of them wants to go, Ray turns to his friend Gianni, begs him to go. Gianni decides he's going to go. Um, but all of this is just a sham because we find out later, well, after they go to see the play, then Robert comes in uh, and is very jealous because he has heard that Amy went out to the play with Gianni. Now, Robert and, is uh, Brad Garrett. Um, yes. Who is, uh, I I know Brad Garrett from the voice of Lobo in the Superman the Animated Series. <laughs> <laughs> and I know him as the voice of the Blowfish from uh, Finding Nemo. Ah, true. Yes, he has a very distinct voice, and he is a he is a very large man. Like I've I haven't seen a lot of things where he is like physically present. Mm-hmm. And boy, oh boy, there was a scene later in this episode where he's standing in a doorway <laughs> by everybody else, and I'm like, he's got like a solid foot on everybody else in this cast. <laughs> <laughs> he surely does, and they they make a lot of hay out of that because the the whole. The, the, the scene where he comes in acting all jealous, I think, mm-hmm. is really well performed. I think he acting as Robert, who is jealous and trying to act not jealous, I think he kind of nails that aspect. Uh, you know, looking out the window, uh, I think we're going to get a little rain today. Yeah, a little bit, a <laughs> little bit. It makes me laugh very hard. Um, and, you know, the thing that I would like <laughs> to point a pretty out good about impression this of series. <laughs> thank you. This series in general, I think, um, it was the, the last series that I watched regularly that had a studio audience. And was it a live studio audience? Yes. Okay. All right. And I think it sounds way more live than most other shows. We couldn't really tell if it was a live studio audience really? or canned laughter. Because, well, because there were things that were just so unfathomably, unfathomably unfunny that elicited, like screeching laughter and was like all right that can't be real because it was like we have to have different senses of humor because there i counted nine holds for laughter i went through and counted today (laughs) there are nine significant holds for laughter and i will tell you that especially the first time i watched this episode and i've watched this episode probably 15 20 times i laughed at all of those Hmm. out loud uproariously like, there were definitely jokes that were told, but I feel like I remember there just being something kind of earlier on where it was, like, a small facial expression or something like that, that, like, at most would have elicited a smile, and there was just this outpouring of laughter that just... Was it, it Ray dropping his head? I don't remember. I really don't remember. Like, we just watched it the uh, the other day, and I remember thinking, like, that was the scene that made me think that it was canned laughter, because I looked at it like... Okay, but that's not funny. That's something that somebody really wants me to think is funny, but it's not. Like, all the other jokes where they held for laughter, I totally got it. Like, I didn't necessarily think it was funny, but I understand that people think that's funny. And, Mm -hmm. like, I could totally buy any of those other situations. And, like, there was a lot of the, like, cheering when people entered and stuff like that. Because I used to watch a lot of Married with Children. And I remember Mm -hmm. when that show switched over to live studio audience it really got out of hand. Like mm-hmm. the, their, the shows were just like maybe 14 minutes of actual content because the rest of it was all holding for once when Al enters a room, like people standing ovations, you know, like, um, and this, I don't know, kind of didn't really feel that natural to me, but, uh, I guess it was just a bit, a bit more of a controlled situation. And, and I must just be missing something. Yeah. I don't know, because I know that it is definitely a live studio audience and there was a pretty good documentary, I watched a few years ago because the guy, Ray Romano's writing partner who helped create this show, went to Russia to create the Russian version of this show and had a whole a whole wrangling with the producers in Russia because he was insisting on a live studio audience. And they don't do that in Russia. Huh. And they actually had to they the only way they would bring in people to watch the show while they were filming it was if the people were in a completely separate room that was sound isolated from the room where the performance was happening. Wow. I have to say I would appreciate that. I've never been a fan of the live studio audience. Really? Okay. This is one of the things I wanted to talk about. I feel like I feel like live studio audience gets a bad rap because of the way it's used frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe let's get back to the recap. We'll get. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll jump back into this. Yeah. A bit. So, 
Robert comes in and he's uh, very jealous that Amy has gone, but he's trying to hide his jealousy, which falls apart when he grabs the doorknob to leave the kitchen and it breaks off in his hand, which I find very funny personally, but (laughs) that's just me. Uh, the uh, the teasing between the brothers after he broke the doorknob, oh, and, yeah. uh, and Deborah is like mad at him for for laughing at his brother. <laughs> all of that, all of that dynamic really worked for me. Like I don't, I, you know, I'm not it. I'm not. I don't have the experience of being a guy and having a brother, but that felt really real to me. Of like, yeah. I broke my pinky once. He laughed for three days. Yeah, yeah. that <laughs> that that was that was good stuff. And like the whole doorknob thing, I I saw it coming. I was like, he's a big guy. He's he's angry. He's gonna walk over the door and he's gonna do one of two things. He's gonna either pull it off the hinges or the doorknob's gonna break. <laughs> the doorknob broke, and I chuckled anyway. Like it was just yeah. that the delivery was good enough and. And then I, that goofy smile he gives holding the doorknob. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so anyway, then after he leaves, the mother who lives across the street, Doris Roberts, plays the mother, Marie. Uh, she may comes she over. rest in peace. May she rest in peace. And also the father has also passed away. Peter Boyle, the great legendary Peter Boyle, has also yes. passed away. That was he. He had my favorite laugh of the episode, by the way. <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit, I'm sure. Um, but in any case, be- through a slip up of Deborah's, Ray becomes aware that she had planned to take Gianni to the play with Amy before they had ever asked him. That the whole situation was a setup of Deborah's, or was it? Because then it becomes clear that it was actually a setup of Marie, Ray's mother, <laughs> to make Robert jealous so that he would go running back to Amy. Hence and the I... title, Jealous Robert. <laughs> I liked the, uh, that was very clever where, you know, Ray is slowly figuring out what the plot is and Deborah is like trying to do her best to deny it. And in the whole, the whole time this is happening, Marie is in the background with her back to the two of them, like not saying anything. <laughs> Your eggs are ready, Raymond. The, the eggs bit I thought was, was clever because like he was, he had been mentioning it for like five minutes. Everything beforehand. with the eggs was great. Yeah. Uh, th- that was that was the the wife bit that made me laugh first. Was like he looks at Deborah and he's like, "You're gonna make me some eggs," and she just laughs at him and then he laughs at the idea that he even asked. That was and his funny. little like once he got his mom to make them, then he like did that little prance over to the sink to put away the cereal. <laughs> and he put the cereal box in the sink. What was up with yeah, that? I have to say, I watch this show a lot, and he does that frequently, and it bothers me every What's time. You, why would you do that? Why would you do it? Why would you put it in the sink? Hey, here's I have a question for you. Do the two of them have kids on the show? Yes, three. A girl okay. and twin boys. That's good, because there was a lot of breakfast cereal in that kitchen. <laughs> there was an army of breakfast cereal on top of the fridge. Yes. They have a, they have a girl, an older girl, and then two twin boys, which actually okay. is, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, exactly what Ray Romano has. And they were... They're not in this episode. In space in this episode? (laughs) They were not in this episode. They are frequently in the episodes. Very frequently. They were not in this one. Um, So in any case, uh, so Ray becomes aware that his mother has planted. He's going to tell Robert. And my one of my personal favorite bits comes right here when Marie stops Raymond from going to tell Robert and then says, uh, may I quote? I would like to quote if I could have at it. She says, um, I'm going to begin with a paraphrase. We'll end with a quote. She says, uh, I got married and I had two boys and I wanted nothing more than for them to grow up and give me grandchildren. And if you want to take that dream away from me, by all means, go tell your brother and I'll go on and live my life as best I can (laughs) with a hole in my heart. And it is perfectly delivered, that line, with this icy stare at Ray. And then she storms out of the door. And there's a very long hold for laughter. And then Ray drops his head. And there's another laugh. And that's what I thought would, might be the laugh that you didn't no, understand. No, it definitely wasn't that. It was earlier in the episode. It was, like, really early on in the episode. Like, Ray Romano looked at his, like, picked a fingernail or something like that. It was something completely innocuous. It huh. wasn't a joke, and there was just like, and here's a bunch of laughter, and I was, eh, what? Okay, I'll have whatever. to go back and check it out. I don't know. 
Um, because here's the thing. Well, let, let's finish the recap first. I keep saying that because I want to talk about this show because I feel like I'm its defender. I feel like I need to be wearing like a superhero costume as the defender of Edward Ellis Raymond. Wait, you're not? I would like to see that. <laughs> well, I mean, in public. I mean, We're in wearing public. superhero costumes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I am. Well, let's not get into what I'm wearing. Never mind. Per usual, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, Superman feety pajamas count as a superhero outfit, right? They don't? That's what I'm saying. That's what I yeah. want. I got my Wonder Woman underoos. <laughs> hey, now. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking about I just the, gotta, uh, I just gotta, I don't know how, sorry, this is the sorry. tangent of tangents. I was just thinking about the, the pajamas that the Venture Brothers wear. And so one of them is ah, yeah. dressed like Aquaman, the other one like Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I want those Aquaman jammies. <laughs> go on. All right. So Ray is not going to tell Robert he's going to go on with a plan. And one of the lines that has become something that we frequently quote is, uh, uh, Ray says to Deborah, your soul is as black as night. <laughs> um, but then, that's then so, that makes that so much funnier because I, you know, knowing your wife, I could see the two of you oh, yeah. doing that. <laughs> oh yeah, very much indeed so. So anyway, the plan seems to be going off, you know, without a hitch. Robert is jealous, but then Gianni pops his head in. And he and Amy hit it off and invite Deborah and Ray for a double date <coughs> that night as well. So now the plan has enormously backfired. So uh, the dad, Peter Boyle, Frank, comes over to fix the doorknob. Uh, this is the, the best laugh that for you coming uh, up yeah, here? Yeah. So he tells the story of how uh, he became jealous over Marie once and punched a DeSoto. Uh, because he heard that she was going to cook for this other man, Chuck Pecorella. Um, and I believe the line he has is, uh, when your mother cooks, it's something, what do you call it? Special. Uh, as if he had to search for that word. Makes me laugh. <laughs> anyway. Um, but then he says, I don't like to tell that story because it doesn't have a happy ending. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the laugh right there. Didn't not, did not see that coming. And that's why Peter Boyle is a national treasure. Indeed, indeed. So then uh, Marie comes back over. Deborah's getting ready to go out that night. Um, uh, Amy shows up. Uh, Marie insults Gianni a little bit and wants to meet, talk to Amy because they got along really well. Um, then she doesn't want them to leave for their reservation too fast. And then out of nowhere, Robert pops in the door. Um, because Marie had called him and said that she smelled gas. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else smells that. <laughs> See, that makes me laugh every time too. So, uh, he says hello to Amy and then drops his voice like 14 octaves and says, Gianni, uh, to say hello to Gianni. Um, Gianni says he's uncomfortable. Amy chases him out anyway and says, don't worry about it. And then go wait in the car. Go wait in the car, and then she takes Robert down. Oh, it's a brilliant thing, staring up at him, but she totally owns him in that scene. It's wonderful. That face-off between the two of them <clears throat> is one of those instances that is like makes great comic use of his height. And she's oh, yeah. just like this tiny, tiny per- I mean, she's probably just a normal average height I think she's woman. actually normal height, yeah. But she just looks like this tiny but super aggressive dog or something. <laughs> so my favorite part of the episode, because I am a fan of physical comedy, comes after this point. Because uh, Robert sits down, Amy leaves, he's all upset. Deborah and Marie start trying to coax him into going out and telling Amy how he really feels. Um... Ray tries to jump in and tell the truth, and Deborah first elbows him in like the solar plexus, and then he tries to jump in again, and she elbows him in the balls, and he drops behind the chair, and then they they keep after Robert, and the, Marie's talking to him and getting convincing him to go out and express his feelings, and he has this doe-eyed look on his face, looking up at his mother, and then Ray goes, "Wait a minute!" and pulls himself up from behind. Tells Robert the truth and then passes out behind the chair again. <laughs> At which point, uh, Robert gets very angry. Um, 
Ray wakes up again in a little bit, and then uh, Robert says, how is this supposed to help any relationship? And Marie says, I'll tell you. And then she tells her version of the Chuck Pecorella story that Frank told before, in which she plans to make Frank jealous because Chuck Pecorella was gay. Um, at which point there's another huge laugh. Um, Chuck Pecorella was gay. Um, and then uh, it all becomes clear. Robert's going to leave. And then uh, Robert says, uh, I'm starting to think that maybe Chuck Pecorella has the right idea. <laughs> 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 and then he leaves. Frank and Marie leave. Uh, Deborah goes out to go back out on their double date and tells Ray to hurry up. At which point Ray says, "You never listen to me," and starts shuffling out the door because he can't feel himself from his waist down. Um, and then that's pretty much the end, except for the little button where Deborah tells Ray that her plan to make an old boyfriend jealous was to date Ray, who she ended up marrying. So it's just a nice little episode. I just want to talk about it for a minute because I think when I I'm a big fan of the the sitcom, uh, not all sitcoms. I'm a big fan of good sitcoms, but for the entirety of the television era, um, Dick Van Dyke, All in the Family, the first Bob Newhart. Uh, these things I think are are really excellent pieces of art that just happen to be on television, and I think the good ones. The good ones function like comedic plays. The ones that use a, a live studio audience, anyway. They function like stage plays. And I think the best episodes of Everybody Loves Raymond, and I would contend that this episode, too, also function like stage plays. Hmm. Um, the, the way it's constructed, it's a three-act comedy, um, which most of them are. But there's a lot of setup, and then there's that long scene in the third act. That's really interesting that you say that, because as soon as this episode ended, I remember thinking to myself, these scenes felt really long to me. Like, yeah. they just kept going. And then I was like, wait a minute. There were only three scenes in yep. this entire episode. Yep. I went back and checked, and yeah, there were three scenes Yeah. for an entire yeah. episode of TV. And I didn't know if I was pissed or impressed by that fact. I, I will tell you, I do not have to wonder. I am de- always impressed when shows do that. But when you I mentioned mean, that it was like a stage play, that makes a lot of sense to me. Because, like, yeah. yeah, it was very much like that because you don't really want to scene change all that often. So they exactly. just made all these things happen in these three places. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I think there's a show. Uh, my wife is also a big, a huge fan of Friends. And I watch Friends a lot by proxy. I'm not not a fan of that show, but I'm not. A huge fan of that show. But even the episodes I like of Friends have way more than three scenes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most episodes of sitcoms, I believe, do have more than three scenes. Right. And when I watch a show like Friends, even the episodes that I find very funny, I find the audience reactions sound clipped and edited. And whether or not this show was sweetened or not, they if it was sweetened, then they just have much better sound editors. Because if you listen to the laugh track, it sounds like these scenes all happen in one take. The laughs, the laughs carry over from one shot to the next. You know, the cameras are, they have three cameras rolling, but the, the laughs carry through those shots um, very consistently. And in fact, the audience laughter is one of the things I really like about shows like this. Um, I counted, there were nine holds for laughter, nine of them. And four of those had applause mixed in there with them. And, I don't know. To me, they all sounded very natural. Um, I know they didn't to you, but to me, they did. Well, I mean, uh, the one the the one that I'm talking about wasn't really a hold for laughter. It was mm-hmm. just laughter. Like there was no holding. The episode just kept on going. Right. So they didn't have to stop anything. It was just that there was laughs happening at a point right. that felt really unnatural to me. Well, I'm just gonna throw this out there. Um, Karen, I know you've done some stage acting. Have you done comedies? Yeah. I have. Yes. Do or do not audiences laugh at weird fucking places sometimes. Oh, man. Oh, man, they do. Yeah, absolutely that is a, they do. That is a fairly solid point. I will say from my perspective that when uh, we were talking about this between the two of us, I said, was this in front of an audience? And, and Chris immediately was, no, no. He had this theory that it was canned. I did feel like it was a live audience. I was just surprised. I... I think it's just because they don't do that so much anymore. And I was just like, oh, this, you know, this yeah. is pretty old that <clears throat> that they have people still in there while they're shooting. 
Yeah, it's an older style of TV now. I'm just not used to that anymore, I guess. Yeah, I have definitely moved away from shows with live studio audiences. I I can't think of one that I watch currently that has a live studio audience. I would contend that that's because good comedies have moved away from live studio audiences and not that live studio audiences are inherently bad. Uh, I watched Two Broke Girls for about two minutes a couple weeks ago. Just flipping channels and it came on. And that's that theoretically has a live studio audience, but it felt so unnatural. Mm-hmm. All there were, everything was set up for one joke, and then there was a laugh, and then there was in I felt like I could hear an audio clip of the editor jumping to the next take. And yeah, I, I don't, I do not care for that show. No, it's terrible. Um, if you like that show, I'm sorry, you're just an idiot but i <laughs> i'm sorry you're an idiot but you are <laughs> you know who likes two broke girls al-qaeda anyway <laughs> so, so uh i i think that there's a, a way to use live studio audiences that makes you feel watching the tv like you're part of the audience at a stage play you know and i think this show when it's at its best does that you feel like you're there watching a stage play which is when you watch that sort of the previous sort of golden era of tv uh which would have been in my mind like the late 60s early to most of the 60s uh you had a lot of shows that worked that way and even into the 70s like all in the family which is kind of the gold standard for me for televised sitcoms again three acts that work like stage play long scenes the audience is clearly reacting in the moment and when you watch it you feel like you're in the audience at a stage play that's my take in it hmm. well you've definitely uh, pointed out some things that have, have changed my opinion of the episode ever so slightly particularly the thing about it being like a stage play just yeah that that, that had not really previously occurred to me um I'm still not a fan. I'm not going to go back and watch more of it, but I do have more of an appreciation for this show now than I did previously. So, well, good. Thank you. Thank you for that. Can I point out one more thing that I just noticed is on my list to talk about that we didn't talk about? Absolutely. Um, Patricia Heaton, who plays uh, Deborah, mm-hmm. is a very good comedic actress, I find. That was my note, very awkwardly phrased. But uh, at 18 minutes and 33 seconds into the show, uh, she reacts. Deb uh, Marie tries to push the blame onto her, and says it was Deborah's idea. And she reacts in the moment. And I actually i uh, i teach uh, acting to a small degree, and the way that she reacts to that statement is textbook. Because if you actually go back and watch, she does not react before Marie says it. And then when right. Marie says it, she is clearly stunned in the moment. And it, it happens when Marie finishes the sentence and not before. Mm-hmm. And it's that little thing I notice every time because it's it's so hard to get people who've practiced the scene over and over and over again to not react in anticipation. Mm. And she does not anticipate that at all. At all. And I felt like most of the actors are kind of in the moment in this show most of the time. So you don't have to like the show. Uh, I know a lot of people don't. And I, I honestly scratch my head at why. I I just love it. I love many episodes, and that one in particular makes me laugh every single time. Plus, it's just fun to see people get elbowed in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, you know, you see that a lot on TV, but that was a pretty decent pratfall. And the way they like kind of pieced it together where he fell down in stages <laughs> and then his, his rising back up, the, the, the effect on his voice with the, wait a minute! <laughs> It was like okay, that there, that that's some portrayal of real pain for comedy. <laughs> you know, that's it's funny. It's actually kind of a running gag in the show. the The pilot starts with Ray getting kicked in the balls by a kid in bed. Man gets hit in groin by football. <laughs> <laughs> that's just funny. Uh, what did Dodgeball talked about that? If you watch the extras of Dodgeball, I don't know if you like that movie as much as I do, but they talk about how they they actually looked at it. They hit people all over their bodies with dodgeballs to see where it was funny. And there's only three places you can hit somebody and have it be funny. It's the head, the ass, and the balls. <laughs> you hit someone in the hand, it's not funny. Hit them in the foot, whatever. Head, ass, balls. That's it. 
All right. Uh, well, and on that note, <laughs> on that note, we're going to go ahead and take ourselves a quick break. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about some uh, interesting stuff that's been in the news. We're going to do a bit of a lightning round with it because um, there was a lot of news because uh, San Diego Comic Con happened. So what? Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna do a couple of ads, and when we come back, San Diego Comic Con news talk. Stick around. Into the Vault is back, and this time I spend a little time with one of my absolute favorite oddities in my video game collection. It's a little game called Darkened Sky. It looks like a regular, unassuming GameCube fantasy adventure, but after a few moments of gameplay, you quickly realize it's something else. It's something far more sinister. Something like a Skittles commercial. Head over to the Geekade YouTube channel and watch Into the Vault Episode 18, Darkened Sky. San Diego Comic-Con has come and gone, and it has left a tidal wave of news in its wake. We here at this week's episode have tried to hit the highlights on the TV front, but there's so much more! Thankfully, Brandon and Travis have put together an entire episode of their podcast dedicated to the event and all its goings-on. Be sure to listen to Apathetic Enthusiasm, Episode 77, Comic-Con Year 2! Geekade sports writer Dave Diorio loves sports, as you might imagine, so you would think he'd be very excited for all the non-stop sporting about to head his way thanks to the 2016 Olympics in Rio, but his excitement is dampened by a series of concerns, including an odd choice of location, doping scandals, outdated scoring systems, and more. Head over to the think tank and read, Ugh, the Olympics. Some dashing rogue calling himself Hunter Wild has a thing or two to say about dogfish head beers. Sure, they may be all the rage with the kids these days, but are all those strange spices and fruit flavors really what's best for beer? Is there a happy medium to be reached to satisfy beer drinkers of all walks of life? Apparently so, and Hunter has found it! Find out what it is in The Imbibing Scribe, on the benefit of proper mixing for a well-made beer. You can catch all this great stuff plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more right now at geekade.com. All right, everybody, we are back. Uh, we had ourselves quite a lot of fun during the break. It was a hoot. There was a party. There were balloons and hats. Uh, but now we are going to talk about some of the things in the news. Uh, so first things first, let's get Marvel out of the way because Marvel dropped a bunch of bombs. Um I'm just going to say the news stories, and I'm gonna, we're going to do some quick reactions to them. Marvel confirms Daredevil Season 3. Is anyone surprised? No. No. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, they released a trailer for Luke Cage, set to Wu-Tang's Baby I Like It Raw, and uh, Luke Cage <laughs> seriously has zero Fs to give. Uh, did you, uh, Hunter, did you see this? I did not. I did I not. It's basically just him walking towards things. <laughs> I like it raw. Remember, I like it raw. <laughs> it's like that uh, that gif of the guy that. Uh, there's a guy. There's a, some clip from a movie where a guy shows up and he's like a bald, really ripped black guy, and he's like, uh, I forget what the exact line from the movie is, but he's like, "Surprise, motherfucker." And then there's a guy parodying that, like, saying things that rhyme with surprise. <laughs> I love that video. I love and it to it death. Just, but it really reminded me of that trailer, because that's what Luke Cage is doing the whole time. He's just showing up surprising people, looking really intimidating, and, like, beating the crap out of people. You know, people are shooting at him and whatnot, and his clothes are just getting ripped up, and he's just, like, he's not even flinching, because he's Luke Cage. It's fantastic. And apparently he likes sex without condoms. Because, you know, that's the song. Never Maybe mind. I like it wrong. <laughs> I, I, I particularly like the part where he, like, took a car door and bent it around somebody. <laughs> like, to, like, restrain him. Yeah, it was a good time. Was that good sounds time. pretty good. Hey, Luke Cage premieres September 30th, 2016. Okay. We'll probably be talking about that once we come back from uh, Baby Hiatus, I would imagine. Definitely. I've, I will probably watch that show. What about... What about uh, JJ, my girl. 
Uh, as far as I know, there wasn't really any specific news on her show, other than, I mean, it is getting a season two, but I yes. think it's a little ways off. Uh, there was some uh, calls definitely to her in what I thought was the coolest uh, trailer of, of all the Marvel trailers was the Defenders trailer. Um, they didn't really show like a lot of new footage or anything like that. Um, but they basically made the word defend out of different letters from uh, the logos of you know Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and Iron Fist. And uh, it was it was neat. There was a lot of really neat little stuff pieced together. So mm-hmm. I am jazzed as heck for Defenders. I think that's going to be awesome. Okay, I've I, I have a bias against those. Let's throw a whole bunch of heroes together. Shows I don't. I, mm-hmm. I'm really interested how they're going to do it just because like I, I don't see Jessica Jones joining a team, yeah. you know? And I don't I really see Daredevil wanting a team. What about Luke but, Cage? He doesn't seem like team Exactly. And dude. the the last like the actual one piece of real new information in the Defenders trailer sounded like a uh, stick from Daredevil saying like you four think you can protect this city, you can't even take care of yourselves. So it's definitely going to delve into some level, like a decent amount of the Daredevil mythos at the very least. Mm. But it the way they made the, the trailer look is that it's going to be very, very much equal parts, those four characters. And I'm so curious how they're going to put those together because Marvel and Netflix has not let me down at all so far. So I know, but my favorite one only has one season, man. Well, so far. <laughs> I know, but we're come on, I want more. I want more. <laughs> I think what's happening <clears throat> is that the Jessica Jones and Daredevil season three are both getting pushed further back to allow time for Defenders and Iron Fist to air next year. Yeah, I think they're gonna be things that happen with those characters after Defenders. Which is kind of the same thing I think that happened in the MCU where uh certain movies got pushed back after Avengers, because mm. like the events of Avengers had to happen first for those people to have their movies. Yeah. Mm. Pardon my idiocy. Iron Fist? No, no, no idiocy. I didn't know jack about Iron Fist until I saw this. Um, and the trailer does a pretty good job, I think, of explaining who he mm. is for somebody who, like us, has no idea. Um, he's just a martial arts guy, like. Lost his mom in a car crash, I think, when he was young, and got adopted by some monks who taught him how to kick ass. It's a, it's a tad bit more mystical <laughs> than that. I'm very okay. curious how. Apparently, uh, it didn't do that good a job. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it gave you the basics, and I'm really curious how into this mystical nature of things they're going to get because of how grounded the Netflix shows have been. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a character named Danny Rand, um, and he uh, these monks more or less bring him to this kind of mystical alternate realm um i forget what it's called uh and he is like the ultimate martial artist like they train him to be just ridiculously powerful and he has some degree of superpowers like he has like a superpowered punch and whatnot I, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of iron fist by any stretch of the imagination but the character design has always been really cool to me and i've always liked his mythos i've just never really read a lot of his stuff so i'm really interested to see where that goes but yes marvel also released an iron fist trailer and it looked Pretty fantastic. Uh, and right uh, it's Loris Tyrell playing. Yeah, I was oh. going to say, yeah. Oh, um. well, I'll watch that. But <laughs> I'll say this. I, I agree with you. You said the, the Marvel on Netflix has not been bad yet. Uh, you know, even if we go back to my, my feelings about Daredevil season two, it was not that it was bad. It was that yeah, Jessica it's... Jones was better. But uh, <laughs> let me ask you this question. Does Luke Cage have his parents passed? I have no idea. Because I'm yeah. sensing a very Walt Disney-esque uh, trend in the mm. Marvel Universe among the Defenders. Because Jessica Jones, her parents died in a car crash. Iron mm. Fist's parents died. Uh, Daredevil. Uh, Daredevil. Uh, the last one is Luke Cage. So it, I would imagine it's it's true. So I'm going to uh, go I, ahead and assume. <laughs> I feel yeah. like that's common for all superheroes. Like, you know, Bruce Wayne... You know, yeah, I, it I think have to you be. know, dead parents is, is a lot, a lot of superhero origin stories. Peter Parker, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 
No, but Peter Parker lives with an aunt, though, so he's got family. He's got f- parental figures. And, oh, yeah. boy, if you really want to jump into some funky uh, comic book mythology, try to figure out the uh, the Peter Parker's parents' real story. <laughs> boy, oh, boy, there's some wacky stuff in there. Um, and I guess the last piece of Marvel news I really wanted to hit up was uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. trailer, which uh, doesn't actually show any characters but confirms that they're doing freaking Ghost Rider. Oh, I'm kind of stoked about that. Oh, it's a. Uh, I think it's not going to be uh, the traditional Ghost Rider. I think it's going to be the most recent one in the comics that actually drove a flaming car instead of a motorcycle. Hmm. Um, but even still, uh, there's a flaming skull in in this trailer for uh, Agents of Shield. Ghost Rider is going to be on television and invo- and involved in the official MCU. So okay, I may have to go back and watch agents of shield then and, and and get caught up because I, I let me tell you i have i am not a huge comic book guy i heard on the crow soundtrack the song ghost rider the henry Rollins band did mm-hmm. and went and actually looked at some comic books and actually read it for a little while it's like the only superhero that i actually like in that in that sort of way hmm. and i went and actually saw the shitty nicholas cage movie yeah and I was so that. angry, so angry when I left that theater. <laughs> my flame soul burst into flame. Side of my face. <laughs> and but Marvel it. got the license back, and here he oh. is being reintroduced into the MCU. Proper, but without right? the motorcycle. Mm, mm, mm. Well, I don't know enough about it. Like I, I, I feel like, and I could be very wrong. There's two ghost riders in the current mythology it's like two brothers one of them has a motorcycle and the other one drives a car um so there is motorcycles and chains involved and i might even i might even lean towards it being the motorcycle just because i don't think the guy who drives the car uses like the chains and whatnot yeah why and the chains were definitely a part of the the branding and whatnot on this like there were flaming chains everywhere so good good, before comic-con they had um trains in san diego that had like the advertising wrap all the way around it and it was an, a, an ad wrap for agents of shield that just had the logo for the show and like a chain a flaming chain going all the way across the train yeah and everyone was just like are they doing ghost rider or what <laughs> so yeah I, I don't know man that's gonna be real interesting to see on on this show like really really interesting because that's like that's like really next level stuff for agents of shield because they've with what they did Deathlock, but even that they really scienced away and they've doing in humans, but they haven't really introduced any like real big name characters in agents of shield. Like we had like mockingbird. That was about the, the biggest name that they flat out introduced in the show. So ghost rider that's, that's, that's big. I'm really interested. To see oh they man. Go with that. I'm here. I'm currently in my head, just hearing Henry Rollins scream. Ghost rider. <laughs> ghost. Ah. <laughs> uh. All right, let's, go, let's let's move this along. Sherlock trailer. Woo! Yep. I actually watched that one. <laughs> I am excited too. <laughs> Looks cool as heck. I'm so glad it's happening. I'm sad that the you know they're saying it might be the last season. I mean, I get I think it. It is the last season. I, shows I would... have to end, man. Shows have to end. Exactly. Shows have to end, and. And Just, this show really has to end because it's Im- almost impossible to get its cast together. <laughs> exactly. Like, there's there's way too many really top-tier people involved in Sherlock. Uh, who have become so since the first season. Yeah, seriously. Who yeah. knew who Benedict Cumberbatch was before Sherlock? Like, now he's everywhere. Now I have he's Dr. Frickin' Strange. Not TV-related, but holy heck, that... Mm. I'm really I have, excited about that one. I have something of a of a man crush on Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> oh, those cheekbones. Anyway. <laughs> you could cut glass. There's a picture in the that is, exists in the universe that I love that has Stephen Moffat, who is involved in both Doctor Who and Sherlock, standing between Benedict Cumberbatch and uh, Matt Smith. <laughs> and it's like cheekbone sandwich. It's like you have to be very careful around the the cheek area of, of that those that group of people. Indeed, indeed. All right. Next up on the list, Lin Manuel will appear to tell Alexander Hamilton's story on Drunk History. Yay! 
<laughs> and it will mark the first time that Karen has ever intentionally tuned in to watch an episode of Drunk History. We DVR that's it. That's how insane I am about. No, you don't understand. Hamilton. We DVR that show. I watch that show. You've you have showed us some of that show, and and I find it pretty amusing. It's it's funny stuff. <laughs> I'm so excited right now. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a really great pairing. It's a really great idea. Way to go, uh, whoever decided that this is something that should happen. I wonder what he's going to drink. Hmm. 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 He's going to raise a glass to freedom, Joe. <laughs> All right, before this so becomes a Hamilton quarterthon, let's move on to the next. Karen wins. I, see, I concede. I concede. Thank you, sir. Uh, WB unveils uh, uh, newer information on the new Justice League action series to air on Cartoon Network. Um, I didn't see a ton about this. I know of it just from when they first unveiled it a few months back. Um, it looks like a. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Beware the Batman, which was a more, mm. I guess, family friendly take on Batman. Which I, it was a really great show. Um, I love w- when there's really solid all ages superhero shows. Like obviously, like little bit next level stuff like aimed at you know like 11 or 12 year olds and higher stuff like original batman the animated series but when you go like full-on all ages and still make it quality uh, i believe bruce tim is involved in this i thought that when i first saw these uh this story come out and i looked at the artwork that accompanied it i was like what are they doing with justice league unlimited (laughs) (laughs) and then it turns out it's not yeah, well, there's, but it sure looks like it. There's definitely going to be a like, you know, WB's not wrong to be hitting up as much as they can with Justice League because that was another big thing coming out of San Diego Comic Con was that Justice League trailer, which makes me very nervous because I saw Batman v Superman, but uh, it it looks good, looks good. Mm, let me, I mean, the I I watched the the old Justice League cartoon. That was my introduction to most superheroes. In the 80s, 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 got to be. You're talking 80s. about the Super Friends, right? Yeah. Well, there was a, wasn't there a Justice League one? That there was the Justice League. Okay, yeah. so Super Friends, yeah. It's been a long time, Chris. But uh, yes, I I used to watch that. That was that's where I draw my superhero mythos from, such as, as it did is. I. That and Batman sixty six, I used to watch as a kid. Oh like, yeah, totally. Even the movie. Was, oh, uh, I love the movie. It's so awesomely it's terrible. So good. Shark repellent. I want shark repellent. Oh my god! <laughs> Holy sardines, Batman! Some and days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Super Friends makes its second appearance on this show in t- in as many weeks. With the <laughs> last week's episode, we talked about uh, the greatest pilot, American the hero. Greatest American hero. Another show I watched. Yeah. I watched which, that uh, show. They're watching some Super Friends. That's in the right. Middle they of are. It. Yeah. <laughs> Look at what happened to me. <laughs> I can't believe it myself. Suddenly I'm up on sing. top of the world. You could have been somebody else. Sorry. We had the sheet music growing up in my house. <laughs> of Speaking of flight and walking on air, Voltron on Netflix has been renewed for season two. Um... I couldn't be happier. Uh, Hunter, have you seen any of Voltron? I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, my brain just shorted out there for a second. Voltron is on Netflix. Oh my goodness! They made a new Voltron cartoon. Uh, oh, it's really good. It's from the people who did Avatar: The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra, oh. which are two phenomenal shows. It's re- it's ridiculously good. It's got the uh, let's see. The guy who voiced Murray in Flight of the Concords is a main oh, character on the oh. show. Uh, silly accent and all. Um, yes. Let's see. One of the episodes I watched the other day, Norman Reedus guest starred on. Uh, it, it's got an incredible voice cast. It's, Steve Yun, you said, isn't it, right? Yes, yeah, Steve Yun is one of the main characters in the show. Uh, it's good. <laughs> it's really, really good. Oh, my. Uh, I kind of oh wish my. that you, we hit that... Uh, Knowing that your one of your kids was sick this week, I kind of wish that we that you knew about this earlier so that you could have spent some of that time checking this out with him because I think I, he'd dig it too. I'm literally sitting here with my mouth open. <laughs> I had yeah. I had the head, and my cousin had the four limbs. Oh, awesome! 
So I would go over to my cousin Jamie's house and we would have the whole fucking thing. It is a, such a smart take on Voltron. It, it's so good. And oh. like, I know they've, they've done like revitalizations of Voltron a couple of times over the years. I've seen them all. Uh, this is by far the best. It's really good. It's really fun. The animation's great. It's got a great sense of humor. Uh, really, I just, I mean, I started a second episode right before Karen was out earlier. So I watched an episode and then it ended and I was like, I, I, I got to see what happens next. So I watched like the first <laughs> 10 minutes of it and I'm going to watch the rest of it after we're done recording. It's like, it's gotten to the point where I'm just itching to see what happens next. It is so oh. good. Netflix with they are just knocking it out of the park with their original series for the most part. They are. I mean, between Voltron, just for me personally, between Voltron and the new Danger Mouse that they did, it's just it's so good. It's so good. Wow. Hey, did you guys do you guys know they do original kids programming too? Besides Voltron and Danger Mouse, like kids, (laughs) like uh, there's one called Dino Trucks. I've heard of Dino Trucks. There's yes. one called Puff and Rock, hmm. which is very British, uh, but awesome. My my son my son has literally binge watched these things, <laughs> like over the course of a few days, watches the whole season, and then is like, yeah, no, I'm done. You want to <laughs> you want to watch any more Dino Trucks? No, I finished Dino Trucks. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, fantastic. All right, uh, this one I haven't actually looked at, um, but they apparently they revealed the costume for Amazon's The Tick reboot. Yeah, it looks yes, super I uncomfortable. Yes, I saw that picture. Yeah, it does. Oh, I'm stoked about the, sti- the, the Tick reboot, though. Uh, I, I am very happy that it's happening. Uh, I am a little weary about it being an Amazon original show. Just because I loved Other Space. And nobody's even heard of it because it was on Yahoo screen. Like, who's right. looking at these places for original programming? Um, um, I think Amazon's original programming is a lot more successful it is than a lot. Yahoo's. It is a lot more successful. Than I Yahoo's. think Geekade's original program is more successful than Yahoo's. Did you know that the, the TV Guide <laughs> channel point. makes its own original programming? There's a TV Guide channel? Yeah. You know who it, else they makes their own its original name, programming? But... The PlayStation Network. But yes, like... they do. But Everyone's no, Eugene, really Eugene Levy was in an original series on the on the TV Guide channel. Wow. Called wow. Shits Creek. S C H I T T apostrophe S. It's it's <clears throat> it's pretty funny. It's not great, but it's pretty funny. But if it had been on a different medium, it would have made a lot would have a lot more waves. Hmm. But I think Amazon's <coughs> original programming is definitely Amazon's got is pretty drawn good. itself. Well, more I mean, attention. it's it's Amazon. Like they yeah. they will they will have the recognition no matter what. Plus, well, I it's one of the things I discovered is that if you work in a place where um, things traditional streaming things like Netflix and Hulu are blocked by your company's firewall uh, or security, or whatever. Um, but Amazon, the shopping site, is not blocked, and you have Amazon Prime. You 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 can manage to get to watch some Amazon shows on your work computer if theoretically, <laughs> hypothetically, that was something that you wanted to do. It it, it is way possible. To blow, way to blow up your own spot, Karen. <laughs> or you could just bring DVDs to work like I do. <laughs> anyway. Walking Dead Season Season 7 has a trailer. Returns on October 23rd. Um, we still don't know who Negan kills. Um, I'm still kind of still kind of butthurt about that. I still think uh, that was a really dick move by the show. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I will say I think the trailer did a really good job of um, making the season look interesting without revealing who died. There were enough characters left outside of that situation like Carol and um, Morgan and other new characters that are being introduced that they were showing things that happened with the two because the first half of the trailer was just sort of like this is flashing to these characters yeah it was like flashing to significant moments of all the you know from all the characters who are potentially the one that Megan kills and then the second half it was like and all this other stuff is going to happen, too. And I was like, okay. Because the first half of the trailer, I'm like, god damn it. 
You're really just making, you're you're twisting the knife on this whole cliffhanger thing. Because I said it when they aired the episode. I don't. I I may actually be so angry that I drop the show if they don't tell us. If they don't just do that's that's got to be the opener. It has to happen at the very least in the first episode. If they try to stretch out and make us wait even longer to find out who Negan kills, I might just say screw it. I'm out. Because um, it's. It's not oh it, that is that is not a well done thing that they did. That was bad television. It was you have something that would be like having some sort of like dumbass uh, cliffhanger like that in Game of Thrones. Like really, you think you really need to do this to get people to come back next season? <laughs> like, do you really need to tr- dangle this fruit in front of us? It's Walking Dead. We're coming back. Come on now. Yes, but Jerks. see, the Game of Thrones fans, I, I, I'm not as familiar with the Walking Dead fandom, but the Game of Thrones fans, myself included, we saw a character lying, turning white and bleeding into snow and convinced ourselves that he was not actually dead. <laughs> now, he was dead. He's not any longer dead, but he was dead. Indeed. But we convinced ourselves because, no, we didn't, we didn't actually see his eyes close and fix and dilate, so maybe, maybe, maybe. Well, the other thing is, is that they did, uh, Game of Thrones is so smart, and a lot of people kind of, were, they were hoping for it and, and wanting that to happen because they set up that character so much and then had him unceremoniously killed. Yes. Well, relatively ceremonious, but still. Yeah. Um, there actually was ceremony involved. Walking Dead, <laughs> on the other hand, did a whole fake out for like six episodes of the character that dies in the comics. And we were all just like, well, they didn't just kill him off screen. So we're pretty sure he's not dead. So why are you trying to dick us around? And it was just constant like, yeah, yeah. Do you think he's dead? Ah. I don't know. We're so clever. And I just wanted I wanted to find them and smack them. And then for them to to finish off on one of the most iconic scenes, like in the comic book, there is no mystery. Like he points to exactly who he's gonna kill, and then he kills the crap out of him in front of everybody. And it was gut wrenching. And in the show they were just like, nah, we're gonna make this cheap. We're gonna make this two dollar hooker cheap. We're gonna make this the 99 cent store because a dollar store is just too expensive cheap. Yeah. And uh yeah, I was I was pissed at it. That's gross. Anywho's uh trailers came out for Flash, Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, speaking of things I'm not mad at. Yeah, speaking <laughs> of things not mad at. Uh Arrow looks good. I will trust it when I see it cuz last season of Arrow was, you know, not spectacular. Okay, but I'm pretty psyched about Arrow because um, one of, they're training a bunch of new team members, and one of them is Curtis. I'm fucking stoked about yeah, it. Yeah, true. <laughs> there's there's a lot of potential for really good stuff. Huzzah! Um, there's uh, the trailer for Flash looks incredible. Um, I'm just stoked as hell for Flash. It looks yeah. I can't wrap my brain around that show, but I don't care. Flashpoint's going to be nuts. Uh, and then I still haven't watched the trailer for Legends of Tomorrow, but I read a great story that they're doing Legion of Doom on Legends of Tomorrow eventually, and it's going to be like some of my favorite, uh, some of my favorite villains that have been in all the universes teaming up to be a Legion of Doom. I'm I'm thrilled. Anything's better than Vandal Savage. Yeah, Vandal Savage was awful, which is why we never finished watching that season of Legends of Tomorrow. Any Hoosers, um, <laughs> it's, uh, the, and I, I'm surprised I didn't, was there a Supergirl trailer, or? I didn't. I think there was a panel, but. I didn't see, I didn't see one doesn't mean there wasn't one, but, yeah. you know, if there, if there was one, we can link it. Um, do you think that the way, like, to time, the, the, the Legends of Tomorrow, they deal in a lot of time travel? All time travel, as a matter of fact. And in the uh, um, trailer for the new season, they said something about now that the Time Masters are gone. So clearly something happened at the end of that first season where they got rid of that bullshit. <laughs> and I <laughs> I feel like it's going to be a situation where uh, if you didn't watch or didn't finish the first season, that doesn't necessarily mean you like don't understand anything coming into season two i think you could come into season two fresh that's what i'm i'm not going back to watch that shit (laughs) (laughs) 
There was, you know, there was a scene. Wait, Chris, that, uh, can you clarify your feelings about this show? <laughs> I'm not sure I understand them. No, sir. I didn't like it. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Horse. Uh, there was a scene in the trailer that appeared to be a flashback that just showed a bunch of shit blowing up as they were talking about there's no more Time Masters. I feel like that's all you need to know. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, they do a good job of recapping that stuff anyway, so. Huzzah. All right, we got two left. Thing number one. The Mystery Science Theater 3000 new episodes are coming to Netflix. Oh! I'm so happy. <laughs> I thought it was going to wind up on some weird-ass service or something weird. And I, you know what? Bless you, Netflix, for saying, why, yes, we will take we will take that. We will give you um, a, a new home. In fairness to Netflix, I'm sure what they were saying is, why, yes, we will take that money. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Can I tell you why I'm most happy about this news? And I already knew it. about this news. It was the only thing. That has cleared my Facebook feed of politics for about 12 hours after it was announced. <laughs> and I was very excited about this. Good for them, man. Good yeah, for, really for, good for them. them. Hell um, yeah. So, so happy for this uh, new episodes of Mr. Science Theater. We went to the anniversary thing, Jonah Rake and Riff. Um, so I'm, I'm not worried. And they also confirmed that uh, Mary Jo Peel... Uh, Kevin Murphy and Bill Corbett will be reprising their roles as Pearl, Professor Bobo, and Brain Guy yes. at some point throughout the season. Like, not as nice. regulars, but they'll definitely be guesting. So, nice. Yay. Oh, that's awesome. So happy. So happy. And let's see. The last piece of news we have. Supernatural Rick Springfield joins the cast as Lucifer's new vessel. Karen, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> Uh, basically, Lucifer is obviously a demon. He's trapped in... In previous seasons, he's been trapped in hell. The only way a demon can come to Earth is if they possess a human, which they call a vessel, or sometimes a meat suit. Um, honestly, season 11 was kind of a, I don't know, shit show. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I love this show. I love it to death. But I'm not going to say it's like great TV or anything. So, Lucifer's Toast, the the guy who played Lucifer, did it for many seasons, and he was great. But that vessel is toast. And so this is, I guess, what they've decided to do now. They need to, <clears throat> they're going to bring Lucifer back and have him involved in this new season. And they needed a new vessel, so they went out and got a washed up rock star. I was going to say, Which... is Lucifer a fan of 80s pop? <laughs> Honestly, for a show that's on its 12th season, this sounds about right to me. <laughs> <laughs> What's the what's the code to get back into hell? Eight, six, seven, <laughs> five, three, oh, nine. Is that the right song? I can't even remember. Or was he Jesse's girl? He was definitely Jesse's girl. I think eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine was, was Tommy Two Tone. Ah, I feel like yeah. an idiot now. And Evan, edit what? edit that out, Evan. Thanks, Evan. <laughs> Uh, what what I do wonder is like um, one of the main character traits of one of the main characters uh, is his strong affinity for good classic rock. So I, I do wonder if they're going to make any comedy about the fact that he's now going to have to face off against this demon in the person of shitty Rick Springfield. Jesse's Sorry, God. Rick Springfield. Ooh, doo, doo, doo. Rick Springfield, big fan of the show. <laughs> all right well uh that that wraps it up that's our show thank you for listening to us talk about television i had a lot of fun you can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit you can like us on facebook with both the geekade page and the this week's episode page you can find us on instagram at geekade subscribe to our youtube and twitch channels for our latest video content and follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade, or follow the show specifically at Twepcast. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Geekade Chris. That's Geekade K-R-I-S. Karen is at... Shoot underscore the underscore moon. And Hunter, are you on the Twitters? No. Do you tweet? You do not I, tweet. I, I am twitless. Well, don't look for uh, Hunter on Twitter, because he ain't there. Anyway, if you're interested in more information about anything we discussed tonight, be sure to check out our show notes. And while you're at it, please subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes and Stitcher. Or if you're super nice, you can leave us a review, because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. 
Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com where we post something new every single day. Join us again in one week where we'll be watching the show that brought the world the majesty of a man named Tim Riggins. Yes, it's Karen's pick, and she has decided that next week's episode of this week's episode is Friday Night Lights, Season 1, Episode 20, Mud Bowl. We'll open up a discussion thread over on our Facebook page, so if you have thoughts or feelings on the show, let us know, and we may just read them on the air. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again, Hunter, for joining us. And on behalf of myself, Karen, Hunter, and our absentee host, Evan, keep watching TV. That's a Yay. podcast. Yay! That was twepervescent. <laughs> I'm going to be enthusiastic, because uh, <laughs> one, one thing about Evan is he's not very enthusiastic at the beginning of the podcast. Hi, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you just you. call me because you wanted the the bearded guy? Is that what happened? <laughs> you needed your beard quotient filled. Well, we were thinking about who we thought would be interesting to be a fill-in for Evan, and um, his his first response was Matt Much because his response is always Matt Much, and I'm like, well, Matt Much fills in for everything ever. I'd I'd kind of like to to branch out a little bit and uh, get get some other personalities in here and. Uh, I just thought you would be interesting, as you well, usually are. Well, thank you. And episode title. <laughs> Head, ass, balls, that's it. <laughs> it's true, though, if you watch the... It, first off, it's true that it is what they say in the Dodgeball DVD, but secondly, it's also true. Darkened sky. Taste the rainbow. You do taste the rain... I swear to God, the game is all about Skittles. The sacred rainbow has been destroyed by Lord Necroth because he stole all the Skittles. I'm not kidding. This is a real thing. (laughs) Watch my video. Go to the YouTube channel. Watch the video. It's amazing. That is a good article. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Dave's a good writer. Yeah. Did you hear about, like, the raw sewage in the rowing area? I did hear about that. And then they found dead bodies. They found a head. Yes, they there were found a there head. were body parts washing. It is going to be literally a shit show. Like I always watch the Olympics. Oh, oh me too. I am totally going to watch now. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> San Diego. Ah, <laughs> uh, words are hard. Evan's not here. Somebody's got to mispronounce stuff. I love you, Evan. Thank you for editing this podcast. I hope I didn't shit in your cereal again, Evan. <laughs> no, I think Evan likes uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. I think he would. you and him would have been very much on the same side here. Good. I thought you were going to say Evan likes shit in his cereal. <laughs> <laughs> but would no, he put it, this shit cereal in the sink is the real question. <sighs> oh, man. And this concludes our broadcast day.